shocks the world. Hey guys, Ray Russell back again with Mr. Tom Robinson for another edition of TR Shocks the World. Talk about fast turnaround time. It seems like it was just a couple days ago we were doing Fastlane and Tom, we're back. Welcome back. TR, Tom Robinson. Hey man, welcome to you, Ray Russell. <laughs> Hell man, shit. Uh, I ain't been on the air since, I don't know, the 506 or one of them shows, but Tommy, get out of here. Damn it, Tommy. Sorry about that, Ray. Stay out of that stash, damn it. Always taking a spotlight. Anyway, the reason we're here tonight is... (laughs) uh, Little do people know, maybe they do know, if they follow my Twitter, at TRShock, that secretly, even though I uh, probably was an original member back in, like, 1985 of the Pen Pal cult of Cornette, I am an AEW enthusiast and quite a big Mm. fan. Did you watch AEW Dynamite tonight on TNT? I did. I did for the first time in quite a while. I did. I did cool. it all for you. All for you, Tom. All for you. All right. Uh, Leopard can change its spots, I guess. I, I don't know your background with AEW or nothing. So this is this is a cold show too. So we may clash. We may bump heads. We may disagree. But it's all good on my end. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. That uh, works for me, man. I uh, looking forward to it. You're definitely right to. Uh... We're going in cold on this one. I know your opinions on AEW. I follow you on Twitter, so I see what you think week to week. Sometimes I don't necessarily agree, so that's going to be kind of fun, I think, in the end. But cool. uh, it's it's, uh, it's all good as we uh, we we'll discuss uh, Dynamite here. Uh, that's the March twenty fourth edition of Dynamite. I should point out for anyone listening. And uh, show kicked off with a Kenny Omega, AEW champion Kenny Omega, taking on Matt Seidel. It was a non title match, but the story goes if Seidel won here, he would. Get a future title shot. What's your take on old Matt Seidel? Matt Seidel. Um, as Evan Bourne in the WWE, I thought there's a perfect gimmick for the guy. Can do everything. Can flip. And as Randy Orton said on Broken Skull Sessions, check out uh, edition or episode number one, I should say, we, where we talked about that. But right. um, it's, a, it's a reference to that particular comment that he made about Evan Bourne and his... Uh, shooting star RKO. The guy's a good worker. I'm not going to take that away from him, but he's a little guy, got a shit personality, and is a fucking half nut. He, he's apparently a fan of third eye blind or something. He always points to his forehead about a third eye. I don't know what's going on with that. He shoot, like, tries ayahuasca and all this crazy mind-bending fucking different shit. And what I dislike about him the most is his fan base because I've read such preposterous things is that he's one of the top three guys in the business and uh, so underrated, yada, yada. And I don't know, Mount Rushmore, uh, different ears. You might say Bruno, you might say Hulk Hogan, The Rock, Steve Austin, and Matt Seidel. Not for me, bud. Um, So, but a good worker. I have to ask, even though you're not familiar, mm-hmm. this one gets by me every week. Do you know the significance of Justin Roberts always mentioning North Carolina when 
Kenny Omega comes out. Is it some rib on something or somebody? I, I just thought it was part of the shtick. You know, just like he's say, John, I just thought it was part of the shtick. Probably so. I just wonder. I don't know. But I guess it works if I'm curious about it, I guess. Uh, anyway, the the cleaner chicks come out. Right. And the, the 80s guy in me started, like, rubbing myself inappropriately because it reminded me their outfit of both Jamie Lee Curtis in the movie Perfect and also uh, Breaking and Breaking to Electric Boogaloo, whoever <laughs> the broad was in that, uh, were that type of get-up, so to speak, as well. So I always like the the broom-handling broads that come out with Kenny. Um, Jim Ross was fired up. He may have some similarity to me today, and uh, this <laughs> my voice uh, may... My, I shouldn't say my voice, my cadence and my delivery may go up and down at rocket speed and then I may crash out, much like Jim Ross did. Because early on, he was fired up like the old Jim Ross. My God. And I, I feel it today because I took Alpha Brain to counteract that slow-sounding voice we did on our first show. Mm-hmm. But he was fired up fucking with uh, Don Callis, which I enjoyed. Uh, Ross showed some life for once. He's usually just sits back in the four-man booth or three-man booth, whichever it may be, and just throws in a sarcastic comment once in a while. But he was on his game for the first, say, half hour, hour of the show, which is pretty cool. I like Jim Ross, despite what people may think with my uh, connection to the old show and the parodies and so forth. But uh, good match. I mean, I thought that thing was a botch. Did you watch the the, the Kenny Omega counter where uh, Seidel... F- ended up flipping into the ring. I think he was supposed to crotch himself. I, I may be wrong. Um, I mean, I only watched it live, so I didn't go back and see it again. I like to do that whenever I, I think there's a botch involved, but it looked like it was something awkward happened there for sure. Yeah, it was kind of weird, and they just kind of kept going with it, so credit to them. Snapdragon, he's, he's made that a lot lower and a lot quicker, but a lot safer, so I give Omega credit for that. Too many false finishes for me. Well, you can say that about any AEW match, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, I like that in, uh, not if it's, like, I didn't want him kicking out of the one-winged angel, for instance, but right. um, he, he did enough to beat a Matt Seidel-level talent when he's your world champion, and as Don Callis would profess, the god of pro wrestling, uh, taking that Carl Gotch moniker. I don't know if you fucking do three finishers, including that. What do they call his knee thing? The V trigger. There you go. See, you do know AEW. You know more about it than me, but he was probably calling it that new Japan, right? Right. Right. So the V trigger stiff as fuck a couple times and dropping him on his head. Just pin side Dell. But anyway, decent match, but they usually have a, in my opinion, a hotter match to start the show. Uh, anything from you on that one? AEW fans are going to hate me for this. The big takeaway for this match with me was the graphic of John Cena hosting Wipeout, premiering April 1st on TBS. Cena shown in a graphic on AEW, not necessarily on AEW, but I just thought it was a hell of a coup to get John Cena on the screen at the same time AEW is going on in the ring. And that was like my big takeaway other than the finish here. I like the finish as far as the V trigger and the, 
the one wing angel spot at the end there match went a little over 11 minutes. I thought it was perfect amount of time for a Matt Seidel match against Omega. He didn't really need to go any longer than that. Maybe even went a couple minutes too long if I'm nitpicking, but I thought the match was okay. Like you said, I've seen hotter openers. This was just there. It was okay. But uh, I thought that was pretty cool that somehow they managed to get that John Cena logo on the screen pop up during this match. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know if you were going to bring that up or either. I saw it myself, and and they put that commercial. They're plugging the shit out of that show, um, Wipeout, April first on TNT. That's right. Uh, is it TNT or TBS? Oh, it's, I, I, I am, TBS. I TBS. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's what I wrote anyway. Good for John Cena, and I don't know how long this will last because I'm being pretty candid with you on these shows. But little known fact is that John Cena follows Tom Robinson on Twitter. I saw that. I saw that. I was like, wow. Yeah, I got a few heavy hitters up my sleeve, but don't tell anybody. <laughs> see, see how long that lasts, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, somebody died on that new wipeout, I read. Somebody died after they finished the obstacle course. Oh, that's always a, a great attraction. Like, uh, your 41, <laughs> was, was Faces of Death out when you were coming up? Sure. Get that on VHS. Oh. I mean, I, uh, my friends ordered it. I'm not, I mean, every day you can turn on fucking YouTube and see literally a snuff film of some incident that happened in some city because everybody's killing everybody these days, but uh, rather disturbing to a, a young TR, but we should finish up on AEW. We'll do right. my, uh, <laughs> some other time. All right. Well, we'll keep going here. We go backstage. Alec Marvez talks to the dark order. While Hangman Page is kind of hanging over to the side, Marvez asks John Silver if he's ready for his TNT title shot tonight against Darby Allen. And Silver and the Dark Order, they're back there yelling, celebrating as if he's really already won the match. Once the rest of the faction cleared out, Page asked Silver if he was nervous. Silver said he wasn't. And he told him uh, not to worry because the other guys would be proud of him either way. Silver fired himself up and off they went. So that's us. Kind of foreshadowing the main event here of John Silver challenging Darby Allen for the TNT title. Yeah, Alex Marvez, um, I'm sure you know, and uh, probably your fan base knows from the Wrestling Observer, used to be a regular on the readers page. And right. he'd always get the rub as the first letter. It would piss me off in, the, in my jealous <laughs> ways because he was with uh, the Miami Herald or whatever fuck he wrote for. You know, other than that, he's an all right dude. He's in a kind of a dork role there as the dorky announcer who gets super kicked. and Or no, Tony Schiavone got super kicked, but I think he did too, right? Yeah, yeah. He had a kick. Yeah, well, I don't know why I just talked about Marvez other than the Observer uh, <laughs> mentioned. But if anybody's listened to me on any show, they know that I jump all over the place. But the Dark Order, being the elite, some, I don't, I'm not a regular viewer. But some nights when I'm not doing nothing, I'll just watch like six or seven in a row. And that's when I kind of understood this John Silver deal. The dude in the in the Dark Order that can work, at least from what I've seen, is Stu Grayson. But John Silver got over so much with his drunken late-night annex on being the elite. And he was the being elite champion of stupid-ass, you know, beer pong and shit like that. And... <laughs> I guess their fan base that watches on TNT also watches being the leader, at least a loud majority of them. And he got his push, and I don't mind it. He's a good little worker and a good little act. That segment, for me, 
the 51-year-old pervert, desperately missing Cowboy Bob, a.k.a. Anna J. What a hot little number she is. I can't, uh, can't really argue that myself. I have a 24-year-old daughter, so I should fucking stab myself in the head for even thinking that way, but some of us never grow up. Get well, Anna. Rest <laughs> that shoulder. Come back um, better than ever. I want to say something that's, that people might think I'm ribbing, but I'm, I'm dead serious. Colt Cabana's in that group, right? Yeah, he sure is. And he's had you know mixed opinions of him, but I'll tell you the truth. He's in some way a pioneer, and now his old shows, I think he put on Patreon or whatever. I'd rather you, if you're doing Patreon, people, to send money to Ray Russell. Thank you. But we could use it on the second, you know, second choice for an education on these guys that are the stars of today. Mm-hmm. He interviewed so many of them, and they were just really, really shooting when they were indie guys, like. Uh, Tommaso Ciampa on one episode talked about in a car in a garage trying to kill himself and he he failed at it and so forth. I mean, it was, there's that so forth again. We should get a so forth drop. Oh, I'll work on it. Anyhow. um, Yeah. Just, I, I highly recommend when you're done listening to every episode of every show that Ray does and has done and that I do and have done. Mm hmm. You go to Colt Cabana shit and listen to some of those old episodes. It's a real education for the newer crop of guys. But yeah, like you said, Hangman did a cameo because he had the match after. And Silver's kind of the star of those guys. And, you know, the Dark Order, in my opinion, should have broke up after that Brody Lee tribute show. Yeah, and I feel like that's why they're forcing them to stay together is because... Brody Lee passed away, and now they feel like maybe, I'm guessing, this is just my assumption, that it's like it's a disservice to Brody Lee or his family if they separate his faction or whatever. I don't know. But I agree with you. Yeah. It's uh, it's time. You're making a point that, that is valid, and they got the negative one, and, you know, it was a terrible tragedy. Um, I guess we'll talk about that another time, but it's a shame that he didn't stay around. I mean, with the talent they're adding and... I would like, curiosity, I would like to see how he fared, you know, when they kind of got it. I, I believe they're building up a little bit, and I'd kind of like to have seen how he did. But, you know, you can say that now. Uh, he was a great dude. I didn't know him personally. I had like a five-minute conversation with him from the front row when I when he was working a six-man on that infamous Ric Flair fight night that I had. Um, he was working the Dudley's or something and i kept saying weird shit to him because i was drinking like dude why are you selling for these guys you're better working he's like you know i am better working these dumb motherfuckers and i didn't know that he was like a fan on like all those aol chats and shit like that i just i just thought he came out of nowhere so rest in peace brody i wish you were still around yeah i was a big Um, fan myself even back to the wyatts and the luke harper stuff i thought man he was very talented I don't know that he uh, got to accomplish very much in his singles run there in the WWE, but when he was in there doing the tag team stuff, and, the, and there was a period there where every week for on Raw, it was like a six-man main event, it seemed like, for months. Those were phenomenal, and he was a major part of those as well. What a talent. Yeah, RIP, man. But anyway, Dark Order, in my opinion, should have ended on that note because that was a fucking great show, um, right. that tribute show. 
that and the show with this Shaq match, probably the two that stand out in the top of my head that I really liked from them. Um, it seems like they can't string two great shows together back to back, but we'll see if that changes in the future. So next, what do we got? Uh, we got Hangman, Hangman right? Page here and a squash over uh, Cesar Bononi with the Buckshot Larry. Match went about two and a half minutes, so don't have to say much for Bononi here. You know, I tweeted this about the Young Bucks, but I'm glad they applied it here that, you know, Bononi, Benini, whatever his name is, great look, Brazilian dude. Right. At one point, he looked like he had a giant penis um, for those that look <laughs> at guys in their tights. And he's from Brazil, and he probably does. But he was all over Twitter today with an unfortunate situation. I believe his wife, I actually shouldn't speculate if I don't know for a fact, but he's having some family issues where he was trying to get a hold of somehow to uh, the fans if anybody had any connections for something. So if anybody out there knows what I'm talking about, can you help the guy out because like, dislike, hate, uh, whatever matches that people do. We're all in the same family, this stupid cult of wrestling, you know, fandom and et cetera. So, you know, I hope he gets whatever help he's looking for. But in the review section, I am, I'm glad for Adam Page, and I'm glad that they booked a legitimate squash match yes. on Dynamite. There's no reason for your budding superstar, your homegrown superstar, Hangman Page, who still has a little bit of weakness with the the drinking gimmick one week. he's And like you pointed out about the WWE, it could be no fault of his, but he's been wishy-washy, but he's got everything he needs right now. And I think he can be an actual legitimate player. So I was glad I, to I see like- him. I feel like the one thing he was missing when I was watching this constantly was, I don't want to say a gimmick because you don't really need a gimmick, but it just felt like he was missing that personality. And then they gave him the drinking gimmick. And I really, you know, it's like you ask for something and then it comes true and then maybe you don't want it so much. And I, I'm not a big fan of the whole drinking thing. It's uh, Steve Austin does it. He's he's not acting like a drunken idiot. He's just, you know, having some beers after the match or before the match or whatever. And I've what I've seen of the Hangman Page stuff, like you said, it's a little you know one week it's you know fine, and the other week he's in, he's he's drunk. It's like I, I don't when you're trying to build a star to his level, I I don't know if that's the gimmick that you want well, to right. use. A uh, little secret that may that may be parallel to what you're doing with me, mm-hmm. but anyway, let's move on <laughs> to the next one. Sure, I just want to say one more thing too. I'm also happy that we're getting a real squash here, just a two-and-a-half-minute in-and-out match. That helps these guys. That's that's what I mean. It's fucking pro wrestling. If I have one complaint about AEW that I'm consistently – like I, I, I brought up the Young Bucks when I originally made the point on Twitter. It's like, can they not have a match with everybody that has 75 near falls and they right. just barely scrape away with their titles? I love that the you know town is trying to give the rub to everybody, but – in the process, you're not really a dominant tag team championship level, whatever. You know, do that shit on elevation or dark or whatever the fuck you want to do if, if you insist on doing it. But let's get a squash. Remember the Rockers? Rockers would come out and do some cool shit. Right. They'd beat the job guys, and then sometimes they'd break their neck and paralyze them. If Everybody wants to you know, remember your history. Yeah. Sure, especially um, if your but, name's Chuck Austin. Then exactly. Right. 
I, I can't run anything by you because, you know, you're a historian. You, you know, you know more than me off the top of your head, probably. But but the, what I'm saying about the Rockers is that's who they remind me of. Dude, or, you know, get their shit in as the saying goes. No, I like that idea. Unfortunately, they want to have a competitive match so they can set up these elaborate it, spots. It's so fucking stupid. Uh, get over, you know, win your TV matches. And save that shit for FTR or, you know, whoever. But And it's okay to right, do that on TV every once in a blue moon, but yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go on with the show, and it's a video package showcasing Thunder Rosa's promo following that Lights Out match with Britt Baker from Dynamite last week. What a match that was. I did happen to catch that match. I didn't watch the entire show, but uh, after that was over, I saw the last 10 minutes of the show, so I had to go back and watch that particular match. It was uh, quite a doozy. And then Tony Schiavone out here interviewing Britt Baker, who's basically saying she is the cock of the walk. I'll let you use your own jokes there. And uh, she's talking about, she kind of shoots on Tony Khan too, said he's out there looking to sign every legend in the book, which it does seem that way lately, but he has the biggest one standing right under his nose. And that being Britt Baker. Yeah. I mean, good promo, a little, uh, she stopped herself a couple times and, it wasn't as flowing as she has been in recent weeks. And by the way, not that anybody but me cares, but where was Rebel, not Reba? I have a a thing that I get my balls busted about by my female counterpart, my better half, so to speak, about said Rebel, because I saw her Bethlehem, Pennsylvania for TNA Impact Live. And man alive, it was several years ago, granted, but it was probably the best glutes I've seen live in my life in any capacity. And did a little research, and for a while I liked that hillbilly country music, and put two and two together and realized she was the star, her ass was the star, of Honky Tonk Badonkadonk by Trace Atkins. Wow. So uh, it was that damn good. But now she's uh, she's a little older, so she's, I guess... You know, uh, speaking of booties, Thunder Rosa, by the way, wearing TR on her tights again, on her gear, rather. Um, <laughs> what does I that stand know. for, you know? It could stand for Tom Robinson, could stand for Tommy Rich, could stand for... Like, uh, could stand uh, for Tommy Thunder, Rich. Never thought of that. Thunder, Thunder Rosa, maybe. But Possibly. I doubt. Probably giving homage to good old TR here. And uh, oh, there was something in between there, Lance Archer... Did something, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Lance Archer promo, right. Or was that after? I'm getting out of order. I think it was, mm, you know, I didn't write that one down, so you can talk about you know, it now I, if you want. I'm jumping all over the place because I had an alpha brain. Did I mention that twice already? Alpha brain's like the Joe Rogan-endorsed pill form, vitamin form cocaine, I think. Well, um, Joe Rogan endorses pill-formed cocaine. I'm sure it's good. Yeah, good dude, Joe Rogan, and... I, I met him too. That's remind me of everything I bring up that I can't talk on one episode about um, some I'll Joe Rogan notes. story someday down the line, but I'll go back and forth here. Archer, just a real quick, you know, name drop and pat myself on the back. There was a psychology behind my jump to an NBA show called wide men can't jump still going on with Nate and Tim. I'm on a sabbatical. I'll be back on there here and there. Um, but wrestling's my passion. But there was a, a back-of-the-mind psychology that not all wrestlers want to come on and talk about wrestling. 
So we had Jeff Jarrett, Mick Foley, Bruce Pritchard, even Conrad Thompson when Alabama was in the NCAA tournament, Mm -hmm. but also Lance Archer on to talk about when he played college basketball. He was a quarterback in football, but then we would sway the conversation into pro wrestling anyway. And I thought Archer over there in Japan with uh, Davey Boy, whatever the hell their tag name was, um, I says, give me a wild story about you and Davey Boy Jr. And he's like, well, I don't really have any. Uh, I don't drink. And oh, one time Davey and I walked over a bridge and we were, Davey was a little messed up on sake and we were singing songs. I was like, great. <laughs> Can you imagine the stories they could have told if it was the other Davy Boy Smith? If it was the other Davy Boy Smith, now we're talking. But, you know, I, I never, I don't know about you, when I saw Lance Archer on uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling, I thought to myself, there's a big-ass guy that, you know, he's old now in his 40s. It's a shame because time has probably passed him by. He'll never really get his due. He has right. the good look now, and he's huge, and he covered up that fucking tramp stamp on his uh, lower back with some right. kind of black shit or something so he doesn't look as uh strange um <laughs> now and and i gotta give it up to tony khan for or chris jericho claims he recommended them or whatever but whoever brought him in um i think that was a good book but in that lance archer love i kind of skipped right over what you were starting to talk about and that's the doctor Britt baker right dfd um, sorry, I was I was captivated with Thunder Rose's TR gimmick on her uh, gear, and our old Lance Archer interview where I forgot about Britt. I don't think the promo was that strong, but what she said was strong. And the Foley jab makes me think that maybe Mick has an out in his contract or something, a Legends contract. I don't know. And if you also check, he's a follower of of, of Tom Robinson as well. Um, not that he will be after tonight either. Um, <laughs> Mr. Mickles follows Tom Robinson, eh? Yeah, he's, he's, he's actually my buddy. He's been like to my mom's house and stuff. He's, he's an old, old, old friend and a good man. But he has, uh, I don't know if you noticed when she turned around, she had the flannel on. You think that was a nod to that though? You think, uh, Foley's, uh, working his way out the door? I, I I don't know. I don't know why they would mention him like that, and I don't know if they've done it before like, and I've missed it. It just seems like they'd be giving the WWE the heads up there. But although at this point, it seems like Vince is, doesn't seem to care as much as far as uh, kind of letting guys go. Yeah, I don't. I don't even <laughs> think he knows like that they exist. And it, it, that's not a knock on AEW. It's just Vince is like in the gym going, "Get the fuck away from me! I want to squat this thousand pounds. <laughs> I'm gonna squat it." <laughs> you mean Killer Khan? I don't know. I haven't booked him since the seventies. Um, <laughs> killer Khan. That's the only Khan I could think of other than Tony. That's right. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> I'm talking too goddamn fast. Let me slow. It. Let me slow it down. Like I always preach to wrestlers that are in the ring in a main event match. Hey, I'll try to sidebar real quick. You talked about talking fast, and there was a there was a guy by the name I don't know if you ever heard of him by the name of uh, Rowdy Roddy Piper. And he talked pretty fast, and uh, I just saw today on the Peacock, and I'm not trying to go off topic here, but this really caught me. Go away. They, they started editing shit out of the WWE Network footage, and oh when, they added, when they added all the WrestleManias, they didn't add six. 
and that's kind of one of my favorites from my childhood. Obviously, uh, not, the black face thing, or the not, uh, not only is the promo gone, they edited the entire match out. There's no Piper and Bad News Brown on the show anymore. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's what we're gonna get on the Peacock. Apparently, the times they are a changing. Unfortunately, I I didn't get the memo, so that's what you get here on TR Shocks the World with Ray Russell. <laughs> or is it Ray Russell with TR Shocks the World? I don't know what the fuck it is, but I just think, listen. I think it's all about you, Tom. <laughs> They're not listening to me. <laughs> Let's just get listeners. We're going to get going with a backstage promo on Christian. He hasn't done any wrestling yet, but he's talking shop, as he says, with a bunch of the other guys. When Frankie Kazarian shows up and... He basically asks Christian, when are you going to stop talking shop and actually do what your gimmick says? And Christian says next week, I think Kazarian's the one that wants to get in the ring with him here. Kazarian basically suggested that Cage check out his elevation match on Monday because seven years is a long time to be out of the ring. Has it really been seven years? Uh, I think it's been since the Royal Rumble, technically. Well, yeah, technically, you're right. You got that right. Is like dog years and AEW years, seven uh, years. But, but no, I don't know how long it's actually been since he's worked a singles. That but, just seems like so long ago. Yeah, it does. Um, but if, have you ever, you, I don't know how you feel. Um, have you ever browsed being the elite? Not in a long time. I probably have okay. not done so since the hmm, first few months of AEW. All right, well, I can tell you that Frankie Kazarian shows super personality on there as Cranky Frankie. I I mean, that was the first time I heard that term, which Christian came out with. But Frankie is like a miserable prick on there who's always attacking that uh, camera dude that worked tonight, the friend of the Bucks, and calling him a fucking Mark. What are you doing, you fucking Mark? Get out of my fucking face. Like, everybody that has interactions with Frankie Kazarian gets, like, a promo cut on him. And very genuine and very realistic. And I think some things that get over on there, Tony Khan's like, hmm, let me put that on TV. So we might see a a different side of Frankie that's long overdue. And uh, I think you'll enjoy it if he he plays up that character. Yeah, I think if he split up that entire SCU, that would be great for everyone. I know I read Christopher Daniels has a a big hand and a lot of shit backstage now. And yeah. uh, I'm not saying he needs to retire, but the guy's getting up there in age. I know he's not going to come out here and put on a, a match every week for the rest of his life. Uh, I like that Scorpio's kind of moved away from the group. I always like too cold. Never mind. Sorry mm. for the disrespect. Scorpio sky. I know who you're talking about. Um, yeah. That segment had like uh Pillman jr. Right. You can't not like Pillman jr. Just cause he's Pillman's kid. He's making it the really hard on me. He's <laughs> making it really hard on me. I, I prefaced it like that. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it's hard to... It'll take me a while to fuck with him, except for maybe the hair, but I had it too. Um, I think, so. I think uh, Jim Cornette was quoted as saying, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, something along the lines of, I try my best to like Brian Pillman Jr., and then he opens his mouth. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's kind of the same way with me. I do like the way he really emulates his father with firing up and stuff. See, I'm being a pussy here. I'm not talking from the heart. I'm just trying to put him over because I liked his dad. Anyway, I'll skip. I'll skip him right now and talk about his partner, Griff Garrison. <laughs> okay, we'll do uh, that. His partner in the Varsity Blondes, 
I mean, I don't know. He might. He's tall. He might turn out to be something. He does a few little cute things in the ring. But, like, every Caraluzzo slash Tommy Fierro slash Gino Moore New Jersey show, they had, and I have did this too, a, a dude who sold 15 tickets mm-hmm. with no training and they put him in a battle oh, okay. royal. That's what that. Chris Garrison appears like, that's like you know, a, to me. That's, that's uh, indie law, man. You sell tickets, you get in the battle royals. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and, uh, you know, you get thrown out like, third and that's that's like a big deal of of your 15 tickets sold but and and you get no cut of them usually either but that that, like that's what griff garrison looks like to me but we'll see what the future holds for the varsity blondes i think we already covered everything we need to cover in that little talking segment to set up frankie and christian which i'm interested in as a match though i am i'm just interested in seeing christian getting get in the fucking ring already the guy wants to outwork yeah. everyone, and he hasn't hasn't. I know it's not been that long since the pay per view, but when you say you want to outwork everyone, you probably want to get your ass in the fucking ring. See, I'm, I'm talking fast tonight, but I'm I'm kind of being the straight man because that was a great line. <laughs> your shirt says outwork everyone, and you haven't even worked. What the That's fuck right. are you talking about? <laughs> but yeah, great I mean, line. get in the fucking ring and let's go, dude. So we saw some yeah. of those guys in that backstage segment with Christian. Now it's match time. It's the entire pinnacle out to the ring. It's Sean Spears and FTR teaming up in a six-man match. They got MJF, Wardlow, and Tully Blanchard with them at ringside, though. They take on the Varsity Blondes. It's Brian Pillman Jr., Griff Garrison, and then uh, Dante Martin, who I'm not familiar with whatsoever. Dante is part of Top Flight with his brother Dwayne, who I think some of the announcers were flip-flopping, calling him Dwayne and Dante. Okay, he was one of the Top Flight guys because the other one's injured, right? Yeah, and then okay. Dante, if it if it is really Dante, is the younger one, and he's twenty years old, as as Jim Ross pointed out. I like the pinnacle. Some people have their questions about Sean Spears. Maybe I do a little bit, but the dude's tall. I mean, when he stands near Wardlow, he looks Wardlow height. He's jacked. He's the perfect 10. He's got an Australian hot broad wife. He has a school with Tyler Breeze. Fuck it. Why not try it? Yeah, it's he's been there since the beginning, pretty much, I believe. He jumped from WWE over to AEW, I think, right right from the inception, if I remember correctly. Um, they just don't seem to have a lot for him from time to time, and he seems to do the job out every time they give him something. So hopefully uh, they come up with something here. It's kind of hard with MJF also in the click. You know, Sean Spears isn't going to reach that level with MJF here. Yeah. But they uh, they do need that spot. I think you got your tag team. You got your main eventer, so to speak. If they can get Sean Spears over to that level of semi-main eventer again, or for the first time maybe, I might even argue, then they have something here. Yeah, yeah keep them around. I mean, I mean, not that they were planning to cut them or anything like that, but I mean, I guess give him this chance and this giant push because just being a part of that is a, is a giant push. Um, I hate to fucking do the broken record and agree with everybody, but that fucking MJF is really goddamn good. I'm torn. I think he's got a lot of potential, but I see so much immaturity in the things he does on social media, and I get that everybody else is putting it over like it's it's great heel heat, but I see me at that age and the shit that he says. And it's like, I look back at me and I'm like, what an asshole, what a douchebag. <laughs> so 
I don't know that all of that's a gimmick to the degree that everybody else thinks that it is. I think it's him and he doesn't see anything wrong with a lot of shit he does. And I don't think that's cool. And I'm not a snowflake and I'm not woke, but some of the shit, man, I don't know. I think maybe, and I don't know you yet, but I think I know that you're a father. And I think that maybe the one thing that rubbed me wrong that I never went public with because I am an MJF fan was when he gave his middle finger to a kid. And he's, he may have done that multiple times, but I saw it once that posed for a picture with him. And I don't know. Um, that's a little rough for me to, to visualize. Yeah, I think uh, my only other thing with MJF is, and I just heard this in the last couple of weeks, two, three weeks ago, and I don't remember which wrestler it was, but somebody on the AEW roster, and they weren't really putting him over, but they weren't really shitting on him either, but they said the day that they knew they had something, I don't even know if you used the word special, and MJF was, there was a handicapped kid, Yeah, I think he was in a wheelchair or something, and the kid, you know, he went up to the kid, and the kid wanted, I don't know if he wanted to shake his hand or his autograph or something, and he kind of told the kid, you know, fuck off, and they were kind of putting him over, like how awesome that was, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know, dude. It's like, there's a certain level I'm just, I'm done at when I'm playing heel. I think that would be it for me. I don't know. I mean, in, in today's yeah. society anyway, I mean, I could see, you know, Ole Anderson today or fucking 30 years ago telling the kid to fuck off, but I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I agree with that. With a handicapped child, uh, it's like you drop the gloves. There's no character there. Just, you know, the fucking... It, that kid's life's rough enough, so leave it be. But on screen, love the kid. He's 24. Got I don't know if he has that much upside because he's doing really great promos now. Maybe his in-ring work could improve over you know the course of the future. But it's it's um, funny you said that about his work rate too because watching him at the last pay per view, who do you Jericho right? Or they were teaming. And he basically, it was basically a handicap yeah. match because Jericho kind of fucking laid outside the entire match and didn't want to do anything. But I was really impressed with him. Like, that was the best work I've seen him do. So I feel like because I only watched, mostly just watched the pay-per-views now, or at least the bigger dynamites in the pay-per-views or whatever, I can actually see his working, uh, his in-ring shit evolve. Like, I feel like he's gotten better. Yeah, um, I agree. I still don't think he's there yet, but I think no. he... He's probably an insane tape studying guy. I think he really loves the shit and really wants to be the best heel ever and whatnot. So I can see him slowly getting better uh, in ring. Yeah. Well, kudos on his mic work. Yeah, his, his mic work's almost flawless. He doesn't fuck up words. He, he, he goes for the kill so to speak and says the things that usually get you like what the fuck did you say that for backstage such as jericho's pecs being separated that he dropped last week and <laughs> you know he will say what y'all think um so I, I i enjoy watching the guy and i absolutely love ftr except tonight uh i thought i was looking at dax saturn did you notice that he was like kind of red tonight and Looked like he was having a stroke when he was talking, and he just looked down like in Perry Florida, Saturn. man. He was having a having a good day. Maybe he was I'm out sure there he on the beach all day. Sunburn, <laughs> but the more intense his promo got, he that red turned a little purple. He he just looked like Perry with a mop uh, in WCW. <laughs> Thought he was gonna pop. Yeah, just I don't know. Take some. Uh, I think I take hydrochlorothide or something, a water pill for my 
slightly elevated, I would recommend that to you, Dax, if you're listening. I know he's heard me before. Um, wink, wink. So, uh, look at me putting myself over, telling you about my followers, telling, telling you about... Why don't I get back to the show? Dax, um, we want you to take care of yourself, is what Tom's trying to say. Yes, take care of yourself, Dax. There you go. <laughs> so, yeah, just with the match, the Pinnacle gets the win here over the uh, in the six-man, just a little over six minutes. Felt like an extended squash of sorts, so they kind of have the, they're building up here. A couple, I don't want to call this so much a squash match as the last match, but that's what it felt like to a degree. They did give the baby faces some shit here. I like the spot where they did the three, the, all three baby faces tried to do the dive. And then Wardlow like stopped stopped in front of the guys, yeah. and they, they, everybody just put on the brakes. That was kind of cool, good cool visual. Yeah, I, I dug that. And speaking of Wardlow, before we move on, I uh, I predicted when I first saw that dude that he would be a big star. Now that may be Vince McMahon esque of me. I'm still maybe carrying that, you know, '80s kid from Philadelphia suburbs, and and bigger is better. But big guy syndrome. Uh, I, yeah, I, I kind of see. Uh, I kind of see Wardlow, if if he stays healthy and whatever, he might end up in, as they say, behind the scenes someday up in New York. That's my prediction. Well, I wouldn't be surprised to see him head up north at some point with a body like that and the size that he has. And from what I'm told from my girl, he's a handsome man. Well, there you go. Is that the same girl that thought Nia Jax was a pretty young lady, though? Oh, good point. Yeah, yeah she does. But she she crushes all the girls that, that a normal person <laughs> would find attractive. So, Yeah, I hope to God Britt Baker and Nia Jax never cross paths because Britt gets hurt so often getting in the ring with, with Nia. Ooh, not, it's not going to be pretty. Oh, God. That'd be like the movie Scanners where her head would just explode somehow. Poor girl. Yeah, let's keep them yeah. two apart. I feel like Nia Jax, like I said, once the Rock's daughter gets called up, poof, Nia's gone. I don't see anybody hiring her. Let's go, little Rock girl. What's her name? Do you know? Who? Uh, Rock's daughter. Oh, I have no idea. No idea. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, you know, I'm going to sound even more creepy than usual. <laughs> I saw some old pictures of the Rock with his mom. Right. And I was like, Damn, she was pretty hot back in the day. She had like a smoking body. I mean, she does have that, the facial features are a little yeah, my But she was pretty hot, I thought. All right, move on. I'm going to get in trouble. <laughs> Tony Schiavone and is the ring to talk with the Pinnacle. Wheeler said the Pinnacle isn't just a name or a group. It's a family. MJF encourages Chris Jericho to grab the rest of the inner circle and join them in the ring. But he says it won't happen because the inner circle are terrified of the pinnacle. What do you think of the pinnacle? I think it was a good idea. Um, I knew, you know, every, I think everybody, the old saying, Ray Charles could have saw that coming with, right. uh, you know, Jericho going babyface. The fucking crowd, whether it's piped in or whatever you hear on other programs, I mean, at least the first verse is sung word for word of Judas is my life or whatever the fuck that song is. So when people are singing your song and not just the plant workers, the, the fan base, right? You're already a baby face. So the turns imminent and you got this upstart heel. It, it was, you know, that's what I predicted. I figured 
maybe he and Warlow or he and Sammy would go. But they, you know, they swerved me and made a new faction. So good for them because it wasn't as predictable as I thought. They added a twist to it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to some of the upcoming shit, at least the promos. To me, the inner circle, based on booking, at least uh, most of the guys on the, in the inner circle, it's been on life support for a while. It needed to be rejuvenated to some degree. So the fact that they created the pinnacle out of it, thought they did a great job because looking at this faction, just top to bottom, I'm digging this one much, much more. And Jericho, yeah. I'm sorry, Jericho fans, but he has no business in the ring at this point. Maybe an occasional match here or there because he's Jericho, name value, whatever. But um, just watching him, it's embarrassing at points. Just it's I, sad. I was, I was a Jericho. I, I used to crush him when AJ came in. And he has this thing where he just wants to work with everybody that's hot. It's a smart business thing for him. You don't um, say. Yeah. And he went with Owens and all that and did that whole thing. Whoever's the hot guy, I, I believe... He's alluded to this, but I don't think he's ever spoke on it. I think I heard at one point somewhere from somebody that would know that he's literally wrote down every single match that he's ever had. So he's kind of uh, collecting this scrapbook of data. And I think he wants to be the guy who worked with like everybody. Um, as far as the quality, you know, I see everybody's point. Um and I, like I said, I said it myself when AJ came in, he jumped and got right into that and fucking AJ put him over in like the second match or was it the debut match? I think it was, was the first, it was uh, mania, right? Yeah. One of those deals. It, it was like, I'm like, come on, you, you can't push AJ and then have him take a pin right away. So, and I, I, I thought he was a step behind back then. And yeah. the difference between he and the other veterans that stick around, nobody's had quite the longevity that Jericho has, but if they do stick around for a long time, they modify their style, slow it down a bit, and let the younger guys kind of work to their strength, where he just tries to keep going and he blows up and everybody talked about the missed lion salt and all that. So I hear what you're saying. Maybe he'll take a good hard look doubtful but maybe he will and 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 do what i was just referring to slowing it down a little bit enjoying his baby face run and you know like you said do a match once in a while yeah i mean that, we, i was a huge jerichaholic when he was doing that gimmick in wcw i was like this is the greatest thing on earth i, I couldn't wait every week to see whose name he was going to screw up and the silly nonsense that was going to come out of his mouth and then of course the matches he put on when he went to wwe all the great matches for all the years he had there and even when he came and went but like you said, that last run in WWE, it started showing, and it's. I think it's gotten progressively worse here in AEW. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We go on with the show. It's a pre-taped promo with Taz and Team Taz. He's in there with uh, Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, Powerhouse Hobbs, and his son Hook. Taz assures the viewers that everything is fine within Team Taz. He claimed Cage apologized to them. He pulled the other members of Team Taz by asking them if they were happy. And Cage hesitated. Then he asked, who better? What's going on here? <laughs> All right. Um, I'll start to get into less reporting and more just typical Tom stuff. Have at it. Uh, 
All right, first we'll deal with Taz. Uh, I first met Taz personally on the first Minnesota Super Show. Uh, myself, Dennis Carluzzo, and Taz flew out from Philly together. Taz actually it was a connecting flight. He was on in Newark or something. That doesn't make sense. Maybe it does. I don't know. So Dennis had these gimmick plane tickets where you had to go everywhere to get to your destination. Back but, in those days, uh, Taz was going to do whatever the hell he was told to go to, I would imagine. Yeah, and he was the Tasmaniac and all right. that bullshit. Right. But, you know, such a he was a very good dude and likes real sports and stuff like that. So I had a great conversation with him. There was a funny thing where we both thought um, Tracy Lords was sitting in front of us. And uh, he's like, is that Tracy Lords? Dennis didn't even know who she was because he was uh, wrestling centric <laughs> at that point. But he and I marked out, but found out it was indeed not Tracy Lords. Um, another time I just wandered back in ECW backstage area. I was involved with Carluzzo and Loyal. Harley Lewis and Derek Domino were called the Misfits. I was aligned with them after their guy Lupus got a head injury. And we were, you know, out of the ring friends. Two underrated guys, um, mostly Harley. Harley went to Japan and they went to Memphis. I didn't. Long story short is um, Harley would have been, I have no doubt, on his own if he showed up at ECW Arena like so many others have, like Bubba Ray Dudley say, you know, can I work? And they just keep showing up and eventually Paul would use them and push them if they were cool or whatever. Right. Harley would have been a star, but he was, you know, you can't fault a guy for being loyal to somebody else. But I, you know, I'm a douchebag. I'll show up anywhere. And I showed up with the once enemy of mine, Jason Knight. And we had a fist fight, uh, <laughs> if you remember. But, uh, you know, I was left because, you know, Candido Sabu, Jason, you know, I had a handful of friends there. But I found myself like all alone once I got in there and it was people, uh, Bob and Lex Artis, Bob, the ring announcer right. and his wife, Lex, who remembered Tom Robinson, but didn't remember this version of me. And I heard, I saw them whisper and I was kind of waving from somewhere else. I don't know who I was talking to, but. Next thing I know, people are saying, are you working tonight, sir? And I said, no, but I, I would like to. I'd like to speak to some of my friends or whatever. And security started to ask me to, to leave, and Taz, like, stopped them and, and said, no, no, but he's cool, he's cool. And I'll never forget that. So I, I, I have a personal liking for Taz as a person. But I started hating WWE recently. Because of Dominic Mysterio and whatever his wife and daughter's name are. Right. And I love Ray. But when you put a kid on, it just turned me to fuck off. Fast forward. I just said all those nice things about Taz. Any <laughs> well, father. Any father is going to get mad. So there's no way to put this except Taz. If he ever hears third hand or first hand, if he's a listener. You can't put a fucking hook on national TV hitting Sting with a bat. I mean, that to me, that's just like, what the fuck? That, that's ass backward, makes no sense. I'm sure the kid's like a badass, and uh, he was probably the toughest kid in high school, and 
obviously he has a judo background. I don't know I how imagine. many dudes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many fucking kids he has. I know one was a pretty high-level football player. I don't know if that's Hook or, you know, whoever the fuck. But doesn't deserve to be in a faction already. Uh, similar w- with Powerhouse Hobbs. I don't see what anybody else sees in him. Next guy, my girlfriend swears, and you may be able to confirm this because I don't know all the factual updated news. I was kind of a fan of Ricky Starks, kind of still am a little bit. Not that this matters on my opinion on a wrestler, but my girl says, that guy's gay. I go, why would you say that? Look at the way he dresses. I says, well, I watch basketball all the time. James Harden and Russell Westbrook and all those goofy bastards come in dressed weird. It's just the younger generation. She says, no, he's fucking gay. Is Ricky Starks gay? I've only seen people call him out on it. I hate to use that that term, but that's basically what they're doing. And I've seen him respond, I don't really see why that matters. And or they, they'll ask him, are you gay? And he, you know, he'll basically say, I don't really see why that matters. Other than that, I can't confirm or deny any reports or what's going on with the dude. I think you just did confirm it with his answer. Man, I hate to admit she's right. (laughs) Anyway, then then finally, Brian Cage. Uh, Knowing Tony Khan, he likes to fucking zig when they zag, as they say. Right. This might be a tease with Cage and dissension and so forth, but Cage is kind of a mark. I mean, he's a a monster, and you know he's shown he can do a lot of things. And yeah, he whatnot, can do but... some crazy shit for a guy that's built like that. It's um kind of Scott Steiner esque. If you remember Scott when he first broke in doing the sure do. the sure fucking four fifty and, had... and the, uh, the the that backflip power slam type move, and uh, obviously the Frankensteiner. Yeah, I mean, I I had high hopes for Cage there, um, but in the beginning he just He's the machine, and I immediately associated that in my mind with Brock Lesnar, the beast. Mm -hmm. And he had that look to just kill everybody. And again, with the competitive matches and the not dominating the the given people, you know, their shine and whatnot, he should have just buried people. But uh, I don't know if that's in his personality because I don't know if you know, but he lived with Canyon when he was like 16. Oh, I see. Yeah. Um, He's a married guy and got kids and stuff, but any chance you give that guy to talk about Canyon, he just glows. I don't know. Uh, Intriguing. Intriguing. Who better than? But he he literally lived with him for three months or some shit when he was like a uh, aspiring young bodybuilding wrestler, and little did we know um, Mr. Canyon's lifestyle at that point. Yeah, maybe Canyon was going to groom him for the uh, the up upcoming re- return of uh, minute work, uh, getting some construction <laughs> gear and <laughs> rock it out. Put him in a, a, a more what's what was his mortis and uh, yeah, mortis. The other... Wrath, Adam Bomb. Glacier? Yeah, put him in, in Adam Bomb's fucking outfit and have some weird shit going on. I don't know. <laughs> this is uh, where I, I kind of want this show to go, to to my the demons of my mind. It'll get there. everybody knows. It'll everybody knows. Fucking goof and it's a parody. I don't mean anything I say. Dummy, yeah. Dummy, yeah. 
for God's sakes. If they don't know it, they shouldn't be listening anyway. Fucking freaks. But anyway. Right. Anyway, yeah. So it might, you know, it could be a tease, but, you know, maybe not. Maybe he just wants to be a superpower with Sting and Darby Allen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think they booked him right uh, from the time he's come in. He did jobs almost immediately. Uh, they almost split him up from Taz almost immediately after he aligned himself with Taz. They, did, I think it was him where they had some kind of crazy nonsensical match like they do sometimes, and they, they buried him under props to keep him out of the match yeah. and things. I, you, you can't treat a guy like – could you imagine if – I know Vince has a lot of faults and he does a lot of stupid shit, especially now. But could you imagine them doing that shit to Brock Lesnar? You you don't do that. No, you can't do yeah, that. That's that's my big point. I mean, you had a chance with this guy as the machine to be literally a fucking machine, and he's not a machine unless it's some kind of um, self stimulant. Oh yeah. But anyway, so we'll move on with the show. And I wrote a bunch of shit down for this segment, but I'm going to break it down into a sentence here in a minute. It's basically an interview, Tony Schiavone with QT Marshall, and he wants to step out of the shadow of Cody Rhodes, so he challenges him to an exhibition match next week. Yeah. And instead of reading all this shit, I just got a reference. This feels an awful lot like Larry Zbysko and Bruno San Martino back in 1980. Yeah, and I'm sure those two could sell out Shea Stadium. Absolutely. Even uh, Right now they can. Awesome. During COVID, absolutely. They'll have everybody that's allowed <laughs> to be in there will be there. Yeah, I uh, I noticed QT was turning. They have a guy, Will Jones, I believe. As a uh, journalist now, I should get my name straight, but it's it's a nightmare factory guy who they put over on Dynamite maybe two months ago, and Khan books these little snippets, and then you know once something finally happens he says well that story was for eight months and this story culminated after six months yada 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 but this uh lee jones if i'm saying the name correctly um got on the top of the ramp ramp and said the rhodes family uh arn anderson uh even brandy i owe my life and my career and this win to them and qt gave a subtle like fuck you dude i'm your trainer like i'm here and that was the beginning of all this. Um, I don't know if that guy will fit in to this little storyline, but I, you know, I see exactly what you're thinking. Where the protege, uh, I think a older protege. I think he's older than Cody. Um, was it uh, several? Years. Was it Lee Johnson? Lee Johnson. Lee Jones is probably uh, I don't know a lover from a drunk blackout. I don't know. But Lee Johnson, Lee Jones, I, I have no idea. Um, the first, like like I said, I don't watch it weekly. Well, I will be now, but I wasn't watching it weekly. So the first time I caught wind of anything was back at the Battle Royal at the pay-per-view when he dumped out the uh, Billy Guns kids. And then Dustin Rhodes gave him shit for dumping out Billy Guns uh, boys. And then he so QT eliminated himself from the Battle Royal because he had enough of all the horse shit. And now we're yes. doing this uh, exhibition gimmick here. I didn't like how Cody said... If they wrestle, if you put the figure four on him, he would let go. If he hooked him for crossroads, he'd probably let go. He's going to do his best to beat QT Marshall, but he's probably his best friend. That kind of bothered me. You can't wrestle your best friend. You fucking bled in all over the ring with your fucking brother. <laughs> your brother. Yeah. <laughs> but, you can't, but you can't put a figure four, four on right. QT Marshall. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah, good. You're very perceptive on inconsistencies. Uh, too perceptive in today's world and wrestling. Too, too perceptive. I, I the the Dustin point, and you know, literally, I was worried for Dustin during that match. He was bleeding a lot. Yeah, good point. You can't, you know, hurt your best friend, and you're just gonna try to win by golly uh, by you know whatever is safe and, you know, shake my hand and I love you either way, blah, 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 blah. Great, great, uh, analysis about Bruno and Zabisco as well. Um, probably where they got the idea. Good That's shit there. Dude. Cer- yeah. certainly seemed that way to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we will see next week. I, I, I will give you more kudos if, if it turns out very similar to if, that. If QT Marshall gets frustrated and leaves the ring and grabs a wooden chair and nails Cody with that. That'd be awesome. I would love it. Yes. Yes, it would. Tremendous. Oh, but I, I mentioned uh, somebody had a sling earlier. One of the girls or what have you. Cody pulled oh, a right, cowboy yeah. bob. Is that right. a shoot injury from whatever? Or is that just. I, well, he's already agreeing to wrestle. So if it is a shoot injury, I'm assuming it's, uh, it's not too severe. But it just seemed odd to do this unless they're working it into the story next week to where his arms hurt, and then QT goes after the arm, then obviously mm. it's, yeah, it's just a storyline, I guess. Yeah, okay. More six-man action. It's Brandon Cutler and the Young Bucks taking on Pinta, El Cerro, Miedo. Ray Phoenix and Laredo Kid. they get the win with the Laredo Kid doing the Spanish fly off the top rope on Cutler to get the win. Twelve and a half minutes, the match went. Just another six-man tag of flippy-doos. Yeah. Lucha House Party um, Part Two. I I don't even remember Laredo Kid. I just remember Jason Aldean had a song called Oh Laredo. Ray Phoenix is like really cool to watch. Uh, for me at least, I I like the dude. He's reckless, quick, you know, lightning quick. Penta not so much. And I like I said, I don't know much about Laredo Kid. Uh, Cutler's the camera guy for being the elite, and it was said by Omega later. He's their best buddy from childhood. I mean, the dude can work a little bit, you know, whatever. But again, like, the, the, did you see that uh, indie taker spot that was kind of like a uh, midget taker where it ended up? There was no elevation. Not off the top of my head. I can't can't recall. Yeah, Cutler tried to to hoist. Nick and uh, Matt holding one of them, and I don't know. The Bucks are. I don't hate the Bucks like like a Cornette does. I, I like them. I just think they could they could be more dominant. They're EVPs, and I'm not saying shove it down their throat and push themselves to the moon, but like I like I went to earlier, beat somebody. I mean, uh, Ray Phoenix can still shine, but the other two, fuck them. I just feel like you wherever know, Phoenix uh, goes, you know, Penta's not going to be far behind there. Yeah, um, brothers, I guess. That's a real-life deal, right? They're brothers, right? I don't know their relationship. That's something I never really looked into. They could be. Eddie Kingston always says they're real-life brothers. I think I think the announcer said it, too, um, in the past. But um, You'll have to ask uh, Excalibur. He likes to name-drop everything. Yeah, he's a name-drop motherfucker. More than me. Fucking got to give him a vacuum cleaner to pick them all up. I drunk. wish... Yeah, I saw he won uh, Observer uh, Announcer of the Year. I don't know how the fuck that one happened. It's, uh, yeah. I, I mean, is, is the announcing in the United States right now that bad? 
Is that, is that, I think it is. Okay. Um, That's terrible. Then. I mean, I don't really get disappointed by it. No. I, I, I'm disappointed that Samoa Joe's in there because I'd rather see him in the ring, but I guess he's banged up or something. He just but. he can't stay healthy. They kept trying to give him pushes every time he came back, and he'd be hurt within two or three weeks. Something simple, too, like a thumb or something, but you still can't go. Or his uh, yeah. ankle or whatever, his uh, heel. Well, I can't remember what it was, but he did a bunch of bunch of different injuries there, and I kept getting behind him. And I'm, I get it. I mean, I hate when they do that to guys, but I, I get it. I still feel like we could probably, we'll probably still see something maybe one more time out of him, like another run. I was expecting this uh, angle because it seemed like take your family to kids' day, to work day rather, take your family to work day when I saw Matt's kids and QT's wife and all these people. I was expecting something and and nothing except I think he waved to his kids because dad got beat up, you know, just a week or two or a month ago or whatever that was. And, uh, you know, I thought maybe the kids would take a, a Phoenix splash or some shit. I don't know. But the kids were there for just, I guess, I don't know, to for the watch wrestling. Man. Yeah, man. Yeah, they got to join uh, Brody but, Lee's boy and just uh, <laughs> fucking hang out yeah. at AEW around the clock. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so they got, they got yeah. homeschool there, bro. <laughs> yeah. Tony Khan's paying Homes- for everybody, man. It's uh, payroll. You don't have no idea how big that payroll is there in AEW. They'll never fucking break the red tape they're, they're gonna be yeah. fucking behind on money forever you're right about that um i don't know why i wrote this in this section but um <laughs> i guess it was because of the mexican connection right uh hispanic connection i don't know i'm being the elite that uh spanish announcer dude that that was he with lucha that those three guys or was it some other mexican or hispanic Ooh, I'm not sure, dude. Like, you're the one that watches it's, this every week, bro. So, yeah, he's, he's an announcer guy. I forget his name. But at one point, Jim Ross said, "Why is he so mad?" But anyway, that reminded me that he's always in these being the elite skits with that uh, Diamante, who's uh, Ivalice's partner. And then I I started realizing I'm making a lot of uh, maybe a, this is a pro LGBT show. I because figured that out a I, long time ago with Nyla Rose and everything. Come on. Oh, wait till we get, wait till we get to him. Um, <laughs> but this uh, Diamante chick who's with Ivelisse as a tag team, she is the real-life girlfriend of TNA's Kira Hogan. Now, this Kira Hogan is a young black chick with, we mentioned booties before, or at least I did. Jesus H Christ! This woman has an ass on her. Uh, it's it's. If you have any reason to watch Impact, it's Kira Hogan's ass. But I have to figure out now with the with the she's a, a lesbian supposedly with Diamante or if I'm saying her your name wrong, I'm sorry, dear. Maybe with wigs and so forth. Maybe it's just Sunny Kiss on both shows because their asses are identical and. Quite frankly, I, if I had a few beers, I'd probably hit either or both or one of them, whichever. There you go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's building up to my I hate LGBTQ segment on Nyla Rose because it's not the case. I'm saying I love all the gays, which I do. Everybody has the right to do what they want. But, yeah, we'll get to that one in, in a little bit. 
Looking forward to that. So after this match, though, they do uh, the six-man tag match. After the match, Kenny Omega returns, and he nails Laredo Kid, wipes him out with the microphone, and nails him with the AEW title belt as well. He has a message for the Young Bucks. He says, for those who don't know, Omega's basically denounced AEW, even though he's the AEW champion. He says he could have sought greener pastures up in New York, but he chose not AEW, but the Young Bucks' vision here in AEW. Omega then gives the Bucks the final chance to join him, but they walk away. They leave Kenny Omega. They basically tell him, no thanks. And that's when uh, Penta and Phoenix lay out Omega with the double stomp pile driver combo gimmick there. But then the good brothers are out to tend to Omega. And as Lance Russell would probably say at this point, tell him in Mexican just to get out of here. And they're gone. <laughs> I think I've heard that a few times. Yeah. Uh, Great drop there. Um, and I don't know if you if you caught it, but it looked, and judging from the after visual, it looked when it happened like he caught a big potato, meaning Omega, from that double super kick. And then while selling, I don't know if it was improv or on purpose, but if it was improv, I, I, I'm starting to like Omega even better as a heel because he gave the thumbs up that all athletes do as if, people were concerned with his uh, long-term legitimate health. So I thought that was a pretty funny little deal that he did the thumbs up. Good brothers are all over. Uh, I mean, they might as well have a late-night talk show. Every time I turn on my TV, the good brothers are on. I don't know if that's good or bad. I mean, I kind of like their sense of humor and whatnot, and they're a decent act, but they're getting really exposed. I tell you what, man, I thought Vince basically killed him, and they really haven't done him any favors here, and not just in AEW, I, I haven't seen much of them in Impact at all. They, I'm not, they, they, all- I, I just kind of groan when I see him come out, and they, they kind of stick him in these situations, too, where it feels very late 90s WCW, they're doing these fucking run-ins and matches, you don't want to see the run-ins, and it's just, it's groan-worthy sometimes, so once they hit the ring, they have like that JBL heat with me, like go away yeah yeah they they, i mean i'm not to the to the point of that with them but they're all if you watch one episode of impact they're in like five or six segments and they just lost the tag straps to uh, gin and juice or whatever their names are from japan um oh juice i should remember juice robinson in my last name yeah uh, I'm I'm being disrespectful. I know who they are. It's Finley's kid and uh and Juice Robinson, who was once known as C.J. Parker, which I'm sure you know, in NXT, NXT right. and one of the uh, pioneers of I'm better than this, so I'm going to leave for myself to work and maybe come back and try to make a name for myself elsewhere. So I give him credit for that. Um, but he was named C.J. Parker, which was the character of Pamela Anderson in Baywatch. It sure was. I uh, I just can't picture Juice running up uh, in slow motion in a red bathing suit. What What's fucked up is, like, Pam Anderson was, like, the be-all, end-all for me. Like, well, yeah. And people, people in my age range as well. And there was no Instagram. And she's on Instagram now and has, like, 37 followers. I'm exaggerating, people. But... You know, these regular chicks who are uh, social media influencers have like 4.8 billion followers compared to Pam Anderson. It's just mind-boggling. But 
God, where did this AEW show go? I don't know. They uh, they they move on after that uh, last segment there with Omega being laid out to a, a Jade. Is there was a Cargill video package here? Yeah, I saw her in the tag match uh, with with Shaq, and she was in there. Right, that's the lady that was in there with Shaq, shit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Big built Jade. Um, before before I I, I, met, I forgot to mention during that Omega that whole Good Brothers thing we were just talking about, right? The referee was like caught on camera for a second with a, a kind of a blank stare. I don't know. I think it's the guy Knox, the, the Mike Knox or something. The referee is Mike and, Knox was a was a wrestler in the WWE. Oh, okay. Kevin Knox. I don't know. Whatever the fuck his name is, that ref there. I'm I'm certain when I looked at him tonight that he starred in the movie Powder sometime back. <laughs> oh wow, that's. That's old school. Yeah. That's, that's, that that goes back 20-some years anyway. He is, you know, yeah, as white as he's, as he's uh, unpleasant to look at. <laughs> yeah. Not a handsome man. But anyway, okay. we got Red Velvet and, and J, uh, Jade Cargill, which we're, you were speaking of. I don't know if everybody knows, because I look at Instagram for the most obscure people. I think Red, Vil- Red Velvet's a hot little black chick, um, to be frank. Even in, she may be Hispanic. I don't know what the hell she is, but uh, she's engaged to Wes Briscoe, which took me by surprise. Wow, man. It's, uh, it's amazing how many of the ladies today are involved with the men, <laughs> both, both, yeah. both partners in the business. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. I usually can piece together a map of where certain people would have met or worked together or whatever, but that one eludes me. But anyway, just a little tidbit if anybody didn't know. Well, it was probably party time somewhere and something happened and there you go. Right on. Didn't happen with me, unfortunately. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. There's always, uh, there's always next time because these yeah. things, you know, they don't always last. So who knows? We're uh, we're hoping we're, for a breakup sure. here for uh, West Briscoe. Just don't tell uh, Jerry. No, I, I I just window shop, and of <laughs> course I kid because I'm in such a serious, devoted, long term relationship. So I'm good. Okay, well that's good. I'm glad to hear it. So yeah. as the show goes on, we see highlights uh, from last week: Omega and the Good Brothers breaking the leg of Eddie Kingston. I guess maybe they were planning on writing him out with that explosion that didn't happen. So maybe they, <laughs> they ad-libbed there and caught an audible and broke his leg on TV instead. We get a pre-tape promo from Moxley and Kingston, and they're pretty fired up here. Kingston even tries to stand up at one point. Moxley has to talk him into sitting back down. Moxley said the good brothers have to ask themselves, how far are they willing to take things? He says he doesn't like the Young Bucks, but he owes them one. After last week, he says... He doesn't like owing anyone anything. I tend to believe that in real life. Like, shoot, John Moxley. Yeah. So And, and he stated uh, on shoot interviews from JR's advice, he gave JR credit that his house is paid off, his mother's is paid off, his cars are paid off, because JR gave that famous pay everything in cash and don't owe anybody anything. And I kind of went along the lines of that whole promo. So, yeah, I, I think that was pretty much a real promo for, for the most part, as much right. as you well, can get away with. I got to agree, man. That's a, that's a good idea to uh, listen to JR in that, in that sense. If I could do such things, I would do such things. So Yeah, 
Um, I, I certainly didn't follow that routine <laughs> to get to this point, but future shows. So we got what now? It looks like it's going to be Moxley and Kingston once he recovers from the broken leg against the Good Brothers. It appears. I just feel like they were trying to write Moxley out with that explosion. I guess so he could maybe go home and hang out with the wife and, and the new kid. But instead, mm-hmm. it looks like he's going to stick around here for a little bit anyway. Yeah, and maybe Eddie Kingston's leg isn't broke. Maybe he just had that anxiety attack again and psychosomatically. Yeah, he just thinks it's broken. Yeah. Yes. It's like yes. when Kane thought he was de- uh, deformed, and then when the mask came off, he wasn't, at least not at first. Right. Glenn Jacobs, the newly announced uh, WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, him and From- the great Kali. Oh, what what a worker. <laughs> Tremendous, right? That double choke in the air. And, um, Remember he and Michaels, that series they had? Oh, my God. I loved them in the Longest Yard remake. That's, that's about as far as I'm going to go. I actually did like him then. He was big <laughs> and jacked, and he just didn't wrestle. So it was it, that was kind of cool. The but, Punjabi playboy going to the Hall which, of Fame. Amazing. Yeah. It is what it is. I guess that's their um, quota now that they are uh, they got that deal over there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, he'll, f- he'll fit the bill for this this WrestleMania, WrestleMania season. Excuse uh, I me. can't wait for that Hall of Fame yeah. video. I can't wait for them to explain that one away. As uh, <laughs> <laughs> we continue on, and we're going to talk about your boy, Nyla Rose, in the next match here. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> you got some you know, shit to people, say? Have the floor, brother. People will not hear what I'm saying at all. And the most hated uh, political slash wrestler commentator is Val Venus. And he shares the same opinion, but his goes a little further. Uh, One of my, this is a shoot. One of my closest friends when I dabbled into the world of stand-up comedy was a real name, Peter Goldman, changed his stage name to Danny Ozark, who was once a Philadelphia Phillies manager. Funny motherfucker. Always had an issue with the sexuality thing. I didn't know if he was working or or shooting. Uh, Claimed he was bisexual, but the dude would play poker all night, drink beers, get in fights. Every bit of man. He is now Karen from Philadelphia. I support it when he, you know, I'd never had a long heart to heart, but I knew what was up. And I supported that wholeheartedly. Whatever makes anybody feel good, fine. That part will be ignored, omitted, not heard. I mean, go for whatever the fuck you want to go for in this life. Just don't hurt anybody else. But that's my point. Uh, Fallon or Farron Fox, I forget because I didn't look up the name, the, the, the MMA fighter. This six foot eight former male college basketball player on a, a fucking. Uh, community college team. Uh, there's a, a new powerlifting record from a woman and Nyla Rose. Fuck that. Fuck Nyla Rose. She got, uh, you know, she got that thing in front of a big ass Native American red cock that just flips and <laughs> flops while she's working or he's working or the, it's working. Yeah, the mud whatever. Yeah, just to cover that big giant Native American cock uh, Jim Ross said at one point in the match, this, the, the size difference tonight, she's a good 200 pounds, 200 my fucking balls. That's a 300-pound dude on a light day. And 
I got to explain something uh, that'll validate this seemingly hateful by the uneducated uh, point I make. This fucking Nyla Rose, uh, when I went to a wrestling school owned by Chubby Dudley, I don't know if you remember, he was like the eighth Dudley brother. His name's Bay Ragney, Liberty All-Star Wrestling. His partner was Frank Namoli, who went by Frank Cody a big muscle-bound guy who should have went further in the business, Glenn Osborne. We would do body slam drills and hip-toss drills and whatever drills you could imagine. But when it came to body slams, I could get body slammed by 12 people in that school that ranged from 170 pounds to, to Glenn, who was 280 of solid muscle. Yeah. There is a major difference, and uh, I think Kevin Owens talked about Bobby Lashley on Twitter and AOP. When certain people do the same move to you, it feels different. It's not if you tuck your neck and it's not if you land a flat back, whatever. It fucks you up. A woman's body, especially when he was working with fucking 99-pound Rio, and then he had a squash match against... uh, this 18-year-old debuting rookie on Dynamite, I think it's completely irresponsible. And it's it's just, it's basically domestic assault on live television because everybody thinks they're woke today. These women, uh, I'm going to make a prediction on this uh, March, whatever the fuck it is, 2021, while society is like it is. Um, Tony Khan's riding high. Cody's so progressive. I don't know what, you know, Tony's obviously the ring, you know, the owner. Right. But I think this is more Cody's like uh, everybody's accepted and whatever the fuck he's thinking. That's great and all. As I said, go fuck. I'll jerk Nyla Rose off to tell you how cool I am and open to anything. I don't give a fuck. But when you're beating up women and you're a 300 pound man as strong as a 300 pound man with a big old cock dangling, I have to add that in for humor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you're power bombing these girls through tables, give me 10 years, 10 years from today, there'll be a class action lawsuit with a lot of crippled up women from bumps specifically taken by that fucking 300 pound man to Sonny Kiss's credit. Same situation, a dude who's half transitioned, fully trans. I don't know what the fuck, but similar situation, at least wrestles men. This yeah, that's fucking, what always uh, confused me, to be honest with you, as far as uh, Sonny Kiss uh, working with the guys and then Nyla Rose working with the, the ladies. And I'm in total agreement with you, by the way. I Just the physical difference between a man and a woman. And I, I get that they, there's intergender matches anyway, and that's one of the big things you know in, on the indies in the last several years. But there, it's this particular, I don't know. I, I've seen some really dangerous spots with Nyla Rose. She broke. I was watching when she broke Britt Baker's leg, just flew yeah. 300 pounds right onto her leg, just careless, sloppy nonsense. And yeah, it's, uh, it's dangerous. Uh, that's, that's my contention. I don't give a fuck who, uh, hates me, who, who, uh, says I'm a bigot or whatever the fuck. As I said, I will publicly jerk off, uh, what's his name? Nyla Rose. If, she stops beating up little girls or he stops or whatever you want to be called. Miss Rose, just stop slamming little girls like you should be doing to men. I mean, that's that. Uh, it's beyond professional wrestling. 
these the the, the frail uh, body structure and of course that sounds sexist but it's just a biological fact there's yeah. differences in men and women uh, i'm i'm calling it today there will be lawsuits there will be very hurt women maybe not short term maybe she'll be you know more careful in the near future i don't know but the bumps that some of them are, have already taken and you know the defense lawyer will say well they've been in a, in matches all their lives and wrestlers get hurt nah there's a big fucking difference coming from experience when somebody's physically that much stronger just a simple body slam can fucking break a bone in your back that's my rant uh, was was that thing in a match now i'm calling yeah, her a thing so she wrestled I'll, I'll uh, yeah she wrestled <laughs> she wrestled conti who got the win here with the hammerlock DDT, and then they did the story afterwards. Vicky Guerrero grabs Conti's foot. Rose attacks her again. They start beating up on her. Hikaru Shida comes down. Nails Rose with the kendo stick from behind. Then, my favorite part, the bunny runs out, and she grabs the kendo stick and nails Shida with it, and nails Conti as well. And that's when Matt Hardy, Butcher, and Blade all come out. And Hardy says, the women's eliminator tournament was terrible because the bunny wasn't in it. He said she's been overlooked for far too long, and it ends right now. It was kind of weird that he said that that about the tournament because Rose pinned Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa back-to-back weeks and Conti, and God knows who else on the way to the final of the American side. So I don't know how that made sense. I'm I'm not a real fan of of, of Hardy's current thing. I don't know. I, I I'm no, not I- that into it. He's, he's he's already done about three gimmicks, I think, since he's been here. It seems like three or four gimmicks at this point. And I, I hate, uh, you know, now I sound like Jim Cornette, but I hate the the Japanese less, uh, no charisma, if if any. You got to put them as champion. Omega's doing great as a heel. If he's still controlling that, get him the fuck out of that book. Britt Baker's your star. Thunder Rose is great. There's other talent. This Sheeta comes down looking like Don Johnson with that all white gimmick on, fucking <laughs> Miami Vice shit, and right. uh, she's swinging, and and now, like you said, the bunny's back. Uh, she got killed, much like the fiend who we were talking about last show on TNA. She literally got killed, and they quote killed her off, but they literally claimed they murdered Allie, and she showed up, and I I haven't seen her work at all, but I might be missing something in in her three years or however long she's been with AEW. But one thing uh, she was successful at up on the top of the stage was showing the world that she's got a 1985 tongue uh, piercing. She made sure to stick that out the whole time. Uh, I don't know what that was for. She's allegedly in a relationship with Braxton Sutter, a.k.a. Uh, Blade, and I don't know. Anything with Nyla Rose always has me in a negative attitude. <laughs> so it could have been Flair Steamboat with Nyla Rose in the corner, and I would have oh, said wow. it was the negative stars. So anyway, Nyla. I got to get that out of my head. Ugh. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I just ruined something for you, too. Nyla, I'm not a fan. Um, I'm a f- Actually, besides the, like potato and the fuck out of some people, if she was working with men like she should be, Maybe it would be a little different while there's some give and take and she'd be a little uh, lighter, so to speak. I don't approve of that at all. I don't give a fuck who argues with me. It'll never change. 
And mark my words, if I'm not even living in 10 years, there'll be some lawsuits by some chicks. It'll be interesting to see if that comes to fruition. People will be uh, going back and referencing this episode. Yes, keep keep this on tape, because I, I guarantee God damn to it. When I contacted you, I went into tonight as an AEW fan and supporter. I, I sound like anything but, and I, I tried to come with some humor, and now I'm just a miserable prick, so I hope that gets over in some way, capacity. You never know what you're going to get. We'll try to move on to a lighter subject, and that is Miro and Kip Sabian. In a promo here, they talk about the upcoming arcade anarchy match can't wait for that one so they take on orange <laughs> cassidy and chuck taylor next week yeah um do you want to say anything about this or um i mean boy, I so boy this is what this is what happens when you let people book their own gimmicks i think as uh, miro here uh just what a monster he had a couple of really good runs in the WWE, even when they didn't want him to get over. He's one of those guys that got himself over when he wasn't supposed yeah. to. We talked about that last show, you know, Sandow and Zack Ryder. Everybody got over for different reasons. But Rusev, he had to look. And, you know, he was believable yeah. in that monster role, and he really got over. So when he left, that was huge. It, was, it wasn't Dean Ambrose level, but it was right. still like that is a key player. It, it, it's like... Rusev Day, Rusev, that was a, he was over, as you said, he right. was, you know, got himself Aiden English with that, you know, maybe they should bring him in, I don't know, but maybe they should have in hindsight, I don't, I don't know the deal with him, what he's doing, but Miro, when you talk about Miro, now, uh, you know, this video game shit, I haven't played video games since Space Invaders, dude, I, like, <laughs> I'm that out of touch with it. I, you know, the people I know that still do it freely admit to me that they don't know why they spent the last 12 hours on it. You know, they, it's a complete waste of time to people that love it. You know, I'm sure I'll have a, a counter argument by a lot of people that, that actually do enjoy it, but I don't get it. That doesn't mean a lot of people don't get wrestling. So I'm not, I guess I shouldn't bury the video game thing, but Intertwining the two, I don't know. Is that going to draw anything? They're smashing each other into video games and what have you. Uh, I guess I just better talk about Miro and Cornette's feud. That was interesting. Yeah, that was that more was... interesting. Miro, Chuck, Orange, Kip, and Benel. <laughs> Pockets. Um, sure. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I'm one of those guys who, when they had live crowds, as much as some people buried Orange, I liked Orange. Um, now, without the live crowds, I'm not so sure. I'm going to give it a, a wait and see to see if he has uh, what I thought he had. I mean, I kind of cracked up um, with the bullshit kicks, and I don't care if uh, Strangler Lewis would be angry with me that it exposed the business or Johnny Valentine or anything. I thought it was kind of funny. Don't do it every match, but once in a while, you know, I pop for it. I was down with it. When but now I, no crowd, Orange kind of losing his steam. What were you about to say? No, I was just going to say when I first saw it, when he first came. Well, first first thing they did was they aired vignettes of the dudes making orange juice or something. I don't really fucking remember what he was doing. I go, what the fuck is that? And then I had explained to me who he was, what the gimmick was, whatever. So I looked up a couple matches on YouTube and I go, oh, okay, it's a gimmick and he can work. He's a pretty damn good worker. If you watch it, you know, good work. Yeah. The, the other indie stuff he did before he came to AEW. 
Then, boom, he comes on AEW, and I was like, this is hilarious. This is great. You know, the kicks and the, you know, I was like, wow, this is really, this is pretty funny. And then he kind of revs up as the match gets going. He has to start doing actual wrestling moves and things like that. But then I watched his second match, and it was the same exact routine, kick to the shins and then the, the super kick or whatever you want to call that. And it was so much, and then I, I go, well, okay, anybody can do the same thing twice. But then I watched the third match and it was the same kicks again. I go, oh, this is the routine. I thought maybe he had like yeah. 50 moves where he had his hands in his pockets or did things in slow motion or without any uh, vigor behind it. But it was just the same like routine every time. And it kind of got stale with me, but my kids started watching it. They thought it was great. They thought it was hilarious. My oldest is 20. He saw it. He goes, what is this? And I explained it to him. He watched it. He thought it was hilarious. I did the same thing with my brother. I explained it to him. He thought it sounded hilarious. So it was great. And I thought it was really over with the crowd. Like you said, now there's, there hasn't been a crowd and a real crowd in quite a while. So I'm curious to see what happens when they come back to it. I I wasn't a big fan of the whole mojito madness or whatever the fuck that was called with Jericho, but, uh, I, I still like him. I just, I hopefully, I don't know. Hopefully it works out once the crowd comes back. Yeah, I'm doing a wait and see on Orange. I was a, uh, I won't, I don't want to say a big fan, but I was a supporter, and uh, the crowd, the the reaction. I mean, that was part of it. And there's no crowd, so he's just kind of. I've hit the pause button on my opinion on him. Um, Chuck Taylor, uh, he reminds me of six uh, two JBL that's never lifted weights. He just r- reminds me of his look, like the tall, <laughs> regular guy hair and whatever. The only thing I can say about him is that he says he's from Philly, but then I saw he quoted that he actually lives in Northern Liberties, which if you were just working your hometown, not that that's where he was born, but currently uh, he lives in Northern Liberties, which is an actual place in Philadelphia. So uh, that's legit. Kip Sabian, not a fan. Don't get it. Maybe I will someday. Penelope, third from Philadelphia. Maybe she is. She's younger than my daughter. I should not be talking about her. Uh, Boy, it's but, hard. It's hard not to though. Cornet with the the comment that slutty. He his his backup was that the character she portrayed is slutty. If things were stuck in her, stuck out of her, that line that she'd be a porcupine. porcupine, She allegedly went out with Joey Janela. There's no allegedly. There's no allegedly. That's that's a thing. That was a thing. Confirm that. You can confirm that. And now she legit goes out with Kip Sabian. Right. So maybe maybe she's got a little of that. what did we used to call it? No, nah, I don't want to get into that. Um, <laughs> but the the interaction between Miro and Cornette was probably the most entertaining thing that Miro's done since he's switched companies. Yeah, I just felt like, uh, you know, when Cornette said, you know, they were just looking for attention, uh, it kind of felt like that. Uh, just based on what Miro was, was saying, like uh, respond Mark or whatever he called. I know he called him a Mark. The one thing he said, if he meant it in the heat of the moment, was I'll personally come to your house and, you know, fuck you up or whatever he said he was going to do. In this space. He lives in Nashville with uh, Lana, and Louisville's not all that far. 
So uh, Cornette doubled down on his response on that on that comeback show and and told him come on and he would give him his address if he called him or whatever the fuck. That's interesting. Interesting stuff. I'll just leave it at that. That was more interesting than anything they've done with him. Hopefully they got some plans for the future where because like you said he he got himself over in WWE. He's still in his prime. And that's a, that was a great pickup, in my opinion, like you, like you mentioned earlier. So maybe there's, after the arcade, uh, whatever the fuck they, you just said, maybe there's something they can do with uh, good old Rusev. Well, I keep thinking that about Moxley. After, okay, after this garbage match, maybe he'll just go wrestle. And it, he just can't get it out of his system. And Miro just can't yeah. be the, the Twitch. He's on Twitch, which is the video game yeah. gimmick, and... Uh, now we got arcade anarchy. I, like I said, they brought him in. I thought immediately they could have put him right in the main event. I wouldn't have liked to have seen that. I would have liked to have seen him in that semi-main position and kind of built up. But instead, he's he's here with Kip Sabian working basically underneath to a degree, which is just insane to even say that with a guy the size and the ability of Rusev. But. Yeah, the potential and upside is there, and to put him there is kind of strange, but Tony Khan always, you know, after the fact says, I've been working on that for eight months, as I had mentioned earlier, and I've been working on that for nine months, and maybe this is all going to make sense somehow. I don't know. We move on with the show. It's a Scorpio Sky video package. He said the days of being underrated are over. Sky promoted the upcoming Elevation match with Matt Seidel next week. He says he's more than just one man. He's the face of the revolution. Scorpio Sky kind of breaking out on his own and trying to be the next uh, big thing here in AEW. I think earlier we touched on Scorpio because I was calling him too cold or whatever. Right. But he is a heck of a worker. Um, as he said, the uh, original AEW tag team champions with Kazarian, I think. I, right. Something's missing for me. He just turned heel unless I missed an episode or something. He just kind of went. <laughs> he, just, he, just he pulled a Lex Luger. Him. It just felt right. Yeah, yeah. he just started saying he was the best thing and all that shit. And, okay, he's a heel now. I, I'm not sure if it's a matter of Mike Seidel uh, that he's wrestling on that. I, I can't read my writing. Is it definitely Matt? I wrote Matt. I can't say for positive. I don't think I would have wrote. Well, yeah, uh, it, it could all, be inaccurate, but I, I wrote Matt. With all that uh, near falls and considering some experts, quote-unquote, air quotes, as you would say, mm -hmm. Matt Seidel is one of the best three wrestlers in the world. Maybe his push is going to come to a screeching halt on elevation. We shall see. But, uh, yeah, I'm cool with him getting a little push. I don't. This is going to sound racist, but because we brought up an African-American wrestler, and I wanted to say it earlier, um, the only time that I mentioned this, the other show we did or off air, the only time I've ever met a young buck in my life. No, I've never heard that one. There is uh, one of my habits. If, if you were listening, I'm saying this to the listeners is the other day I had Kansas in the NCAA tournament and right. I was, I had TV towards me as we were broadcasting. So I, uh, you know, I tend to um, risk a dollar once in a while, which is nothing I would recommend to anybody. Um, the house always wins in the end. But nonetheless, a local that's in Chester, Pennsylvania, which is fairly close to me, opened up a casino some years ago. And uh, my mother, 
likes to play the slots. I used to be a blackjack dealer. You can guess where this is going. I started spending a lot of money there. They started sending me free food, free everything. So one night I was like, well, fuck it. I have like $300 in food. I was like in sweatpants and shit. I, I just drive the Harris. Um, coming up, there's, there's, I believe, two upward escalators, one down. I'm kind of looking at the down, just kind of like hoping nobody sees me in my shitty sleep attire. And uh, I just kind of in my peripheral on the other upward look like uh, somebody who may be in the wrestling business. You know, the the old uh, Vince McMahon, if you're in an airport, you want their heads to turn. That's right. how you know that the star. star. Um, you know, in the, in the Nick Jackson, it turned out to be. In his case, I guess it was the way he was dressed and the long hair. And he was accompanied by... This is where the African-American thing spurred my brain. So now I've probably offended everybody in the human race tonight. <laughs> but uh, it was Jay Lethal. And I'm like, what in the fuck? I got the weirdest life where I just run into people for random reasons. I had no clue that Ring of Honor. I don't even think it was a Friday or Saturday. I think it was like a fucking Sunday or something. And it's like midnight. Something, some odd situation. I I know Carrie Silken, believe it or not, through the 605 podcast. He and Brian are, uh, let's just say, aren't friends. And uh, he reached out and told me he enjoyed what I did on there. And what the fuck? I have no past history with the dude. I've heard some things, but I, I don't know if they're true or not. So, you know, we became not buddies, but I mean, we've, we've spoke friendly every time we talk to each other. So I, I had no previous interactions with Jay lethal or Nick Jackson, but I go, Jesus Christ. I said, what the hell are you guys doing in town? And they kind of looked perplexed. I guess, you know, they didn't think anybody at a random casino in Chester, Pennsylvania, <laughs> if you Google that, you understand why would recognize him. I said, I'm sorry. I'm half asleep. I'm just getting some free food, but you know, totally cool. They, they had to hit a Mac machine, you know, ATM machine. I'm sorry to update from 1960. Um, they were hitting, um, the ATM machine and they were just, I, I said, yeah, I know Carrie a little bit. And uh, apparently him and Jay lethal are really tight. And Jay lethal warmed up to me and I have nothing bad to say about my interaction with the Nick Jackson either. He was fucking cool as shit. I ended up saying they were going to play, I believe, blackjack. Don't quote me on that, but some table game. And I was there just for the food. And I said, nah, you know, they uh, extended an invitation if I, if I was going to play to, you know, talk wrestling at the table. And uh, I said, no, nah, but, you know, fuck, man. I, it isn't often that I run into wrestlers at Harris Casino. Can I get a selfie? So I got a selfie with Nick Jackson and Jay Lethal to add to my collection. Little anecdote. At least I came out with an anecdote after all my fucking bitterness earlier. But did you win that night? That's the important question. Well, actually, um, I won in essence because all I got was lasagna, a meatball parm, and I stayed away from the table games and the slots and everything else. It was free stuff from the shit that I lost in previous uh, trips to that particular casino. Uh, now, if I was in my younger days in Supermark, 
I would have found a reason to stick around and seen if known if Jay Lethal and Nick Jackson won that night. And that would have been probably a better scoop, but I didn't stick around. I just got my picture and left and was kind of like, ah, those dudes are pretty cool, you know. So, oh, the the connection there is that I think maybe they, AEW as a whole, probably have some guys like Jay Lethal and other people in their past because they seemed really tight unless there was some kind of falling out or something. I'm talking real tight and, you know, Corny calls it all friends wrestling. Right. I wouldn't be surprised to see Jay Lethal there eventually if, if they're still friendly as they were. Well, you can't really deny that with the whole Brandon Cutler, QT Marshall, guys like that on the a roster have no really no business being pushed to the levels that they're even being pushed. So I think Jim, ha- I think Corny has something going there with the, the All Friends Wrestling anyway. Uh, I'm 2-0 and against Jerry Lynn in Minnesota from 1993. He came up to me at the last convention I was at and gave me a big hug. Jerry, it's All Friends Wrestling. Uh, hook a brother up. Anyway. <laughs> Nobody let me in a locker room with Nyla Rose. Oh, good point. Well, maybe she'll, maybe they'll fire her and roll with Tom Robinson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah for I sound like one of these people who say they're not a racist because they have black friends. But <laughs> you know, with all this talk tonight, um, I do have Karen from Philly, and if if you'll allow it, uh, Ray, absolutely, um, I'll, I'll bring her on to prove that uh, I don't care about people's lifestyles. I don't get hot under the collar. I just, I just legitimately think it's going to hurt women. And you know, that's just not cool. No, I'm in agreement with the whole, the whole thing with uh, sports related. Anyway, I just don't see the, the fairness in it in real sports. And uh, yeah, like you pointed out here, it's uh, not so safe. You're even in professional wrestling or sports yeah. entertainment. If Vince ever pulls the trigger on this too. <laughs> Right, but like you just made a good point too that I didn't touch on. You said in in sports at least, or I don't know how you phrased it, but uh, in an office or something where it's like whatever, do what you want to do. That, right. That's nothing that can hurt somebody, but or be unfair or take away someone's scholarship. But that's getting a little too far. The, I'll just drop it and try to. <laughs> I'll try to perk up for this main event coverage. Well, that's fine. Uh, we'll get to the main event. It's Darby Allen defending the TNT title against John Silver of the Dark Order. He's accompanied the ring by the Dark Order, and the broadcast team announced, or they recall, that Sting says he would have Allen's back in this match should he need it. And, of course, that comes into play. Allen, at one point, goes for a suicide dive, but it's number five of the Dark Order who takes the suicide dive instead of Silver, helping a brother out there, which causes Sting to make an entrance with his baseball bat in hand. As he stood on the apron and watched, causing the Dark Order members to scurry from ringside around there. Allen then performed a coffin drop at one point onto the Dark Order at ringside. And back in the ring, Silver sets up for the power bomb, but he pays tribute to Brody Lee before going for the move, and that allows Allen to counter into the code red and score the win there. Match went 13 minutes and 45 seconds. Darby Allen retained. And what did you think of the finish? Because I didn't really like it. I didn't like how they, they kind of used Brody Lee for uh, Silver to do the job. I don't, I don't know if that was really the best call. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't. I mean, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I, at the time, I didn't kind of, I processed that, especially they put over, you know, tribute to Brody Lee, you know, whatever, when he does the, the hands out. 
I didn't process that, but you know, since you brought it up, it it is a little odd. I'll just use the word odd. But uh, I think they gave the, these two a lot of time. One thing I don't know how you feel about Darby Allen. I've been trying to dislike this son of a bitch for a long time. He seems been, he comes across to me like somebody I want to hate, and I can't. Me too. Uh, thank you. You you read my mind. I've been wa- because of the those things he wears on his lower legs, whatever the fuck they are. He's the the smallest push act I think I've ever seen. Right. But the son of a he can actually work. I mean, tonight they did something a little different. They put they gave him time and they did what we were talking about Daniel Bryan and whatnot. Uh, obviously not near the level, but they for those two, um, maybe not for anybody else, but for those specific two guys, they slowed the pace and and tried to work. And fucking Darby Allen can work. I mean, Silver is more of the the ball of lightning, and uh, he runs around and fucking potatoes the shit out of everybody. And he reached his uh, star power on that being the elite, which we've already talked about. We don't have enough time to watch all this fucking wrestling that's on, but I mean, he's, he's very entertaining on there backstage right. and that's, that led to where he went. And I don't know if I said this on air or off air earlier, earlier, Stu Grayson is probably the best of, of the whole lot of them. Right. As far as a in-ring yeah, you performer, but uh, yeah, near the top of the show. Yeah. Um, so he's he's kind of got pushed to the back because of Johnny Hungy, as they call him. Um, but yeah, they, they they tried. It was a decent match. I wouldn't bury it, and I really think Darby can work. And uh, you said it perfectly. I don't want to like Darby Allen. I want to come out here and bury him. But the fucking guy, he he's strangely got a way to be over. And this is pre-pandemic, post-pandemic. I can't explain it, but as long as the kid can over. stay healthy and not have to retire after like four years, I mean, he, he's I mean, got something, but some of the shit he right. takes, it's just past that level. You know, I went, you know, just earlier today, we were finishing up December of 89 in the NWA uh, at, on the grenade show. And that's right when Cactus Jack comes into the NWA and Cornette okay. and Sullivan and guy, they've all told the story that. Jim Hurd didn't want to push Cactus Jack. He was coming in as a job guy, but they liked him. Mm-hmm. So to get mm-hmm. him over without Jim Hurd realizing they were getting him over, they had him doing that elbow drop onto the concrete onto his job guy partners after they kept losing the matches. And mm-hmm. I was watching those today and it's just like, damn, he's throwing, you know, the hip into the concrete because he was doing it past the padding. He was smacking the concrete. You know, you think back and like, yeah, Cactus used to drop those elbows. Watching it, watching him splat, and then thinking about that nest he plunge, like the mascarist plunge he took, and, and the other times he's taken crazy shit, and what that did to him. And you think about how quick, like he retired going into the 2000s. He tried, you know, basically retired in 2000. And, you know, if you ignore the, the impact shit and some of the other shit he did, Randy Orton and stuff, yeah, he'd come back and do some things, but full time, I mean, he was done. And Darby yeah. Allen's doing shit, and no disrespect to all the shit Mick Foley's been through, but Darby Allen's doing some fucking high-octane shit 
like getting zipped up in a body bag and just tossed and launched and you have no idea how to land or where you're going onto a you know a wooden ramp and uh i'm sure it was safe the bump he took during that cinematic match with sting you know the one where he came off like the second or third story but Mm -hmm. and went through the plate glass or whatever the sugar i don't really know what kind of whatever they did there but man the kid's gotta slow down a little bit yeah you would think especially with uh, just his his body makeup as well cactus at least had that awkward like fat in the right place type of thing yeah going on (laughs) yeah and and like like i said i want to hate the guy but that he does that million mile an hour drop dive uh topes whatever the fuck it's called when you go through the ropes i i forget tope Um, suicida if you ask us excalibur is that the middle rope or the the one over but the middle that he does that million mile an hour middle rope Mm -hmm. and as a guy who's once or twice caught a body, I mean, you know, the, the, I was always told you bend your knees and just make sure the guy don't get hurt and what have you. And that you can't fucking, I mean, because he's so light is why nobody's gotten fucking really fucked up from that. Right. Um, but he, he just fucking slams into whoever he's diving on. I mean, that's like big time, high level impact. And, yeah, I mean, uh, but if the guy is over with fucking Pete, if he's paired up with Sting, Sting's got a pretty big ego. Um, money talks. He's 64 years old. Like I already mentioned earlier, he's getting hit by a bat by fucking Taz's, Taz's 18-year-old son. kid. <laughs> right. Who, you know, hook and the Darby Allen connection. But Darby, like, he doesn't really like not fit with sting he's fucking guys i I got to just say it straight he's he's entertaining you know i hate to use the word because they you know they've slapped it on jeff hardy for so long now but he's he's really is like an enigma really it's like everything he does even though it shouldn't make sense it does you want to hate him but you really can't it's really odd (laughs) very odd i don't know that i've ever experienced that before with someone I can I can say one thing I hate if it's true. He's straight edge, so I could never like they're coming to Philly if if COVID's cool in October. I could never drink a beer with Darby Allen because he's straight edge. So fuck you, Darby Allen. That's something I don't like about you. <laughs> so they put on this match here. Darby Allen gets the win, gets the rub to John Silver, though. That's what I call it anyway. So after the match, Allen offered the fist bump, Silver accepted, and Matt Hardy is out here at ringside. He pulls Allen and sends him into the barricade. Big brawl breaks out with the Dark Order and members of Hardy's group. And that's when uh, Conti runs out. And she brawls with the bunny from earlier in the show. And then Allen performs a suicide dive, the one you were just talking about there, onto Matt Hardy. And the brawl continues into the close of the show here this week. Yeah, uh, Chaos and Tony Khan has stated repeatedly that he was a big UWF Bill Watts fan where they would go off the air with the fight. You know, craziness. Right. Yeah. I'm glad um, you, you ended that with Bill Watts, because when you said UWF, I was hoping you weren't pivoting towards Herb Abrams there. No. So. <laughs> I, I, I believe the, the promotion he was referring to was Cowboys. Uh, Makes sense. Promotion. It's just not to do with anything, but whenever I think of that um, intro song for uh, UWF, right. I fucking pop. 
I love that. And I, I think back to fucking Coco Beware knocking the head off Gustavo Mendoza and uh, <laughs> Dropkick Yeah, and Buzz Sawyer doing that power slam and all that good shit. Uh, uh, I was those watching Buzz the- earlier today too, man. What a fucking what a machine. What a nut job, but what a machine. Yeah. Dangerous mix of crazy and tough. And you know, the the substance stuff as well. But uh yeah, I, I didn't come into uh, tonight's dynamite after uh, my lovely day job and approach you with, hey, let's do a review. I thought I'd be, you know, happy go lucky, Tom. Maybe I need to take some bipolar medication. I don't know. I mean, uh, I get what you're saying. You were wanting to walk into this, have some fun, and you kind of got a little serious on some of the notes, like, uh, like your buddy, Nyla Rose, there. But it's just, uh, you can't really help. But to feel the way you feel about the way things are on this particular show and with AEW, just from what I watch week to week, it's, it's a very different show. A lot, a lot of the segments, it's a, it's a very different show anyway. So you really don't know what you're going to get. And then you, you talked to me a little earlier. You were like, Hey man, you know, I'm thinking about doing this dynamite later. I don't know how I'm going to feel. And then you, you know, you texted me, you're like, uh, I'm on the main event. So I'm like, okay, I guess we're doing this. So <laughs> I, I was down. And uh, I was happy to get your intake and uh, on everything because I really didn't know everything that was going on. I, it's easy to catch up if you're paying attention, though, um, to the show. So I, I kind of yeah. figured out where they were because it wasn't so. They're not so far removed from the pay per view, Revolution pay per view, to where I still I still remember everything from there. So it was kind of okay with the storylines and stuff moving into this. And uh, it's, uh, it's something you want to do moving forward. I'll definitely start watching it on the weekly. I didn't really dislike AEW when I stopped watching it. I just was like, eh, had no reason to keep watching it. I mean, that's just the way it is with me right now. And the modern product, I'm so busy watching all the old shit. I can't really bitch about that because I enjoyed the old shit. So I know what I'm walking into. I'm usually like a giggly schoolgirl when they have a good dynamite. I. Not that tonight was good or bad. I think it was kind of thumbs in the middle. But, uh, yeah, I guess it hit hit a sore spot with me or something that I didn't bring to my consciousness until we were recording. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that was dynamite for this particular Wednesday evening. Uh, if, in the long run, if this gets a different reaction than our debut together, then I will just blame Joe Rogan and his constant promotion of Alpha Brain. Well, we can do that. We can blame someone else for sure. I'm not taking the blame. So you don't <laughs> need to take the blame. We'll blame Joe Rogan. That's fine. I, I'm sure there's, if I'm being um, optimistic, there'll be one or two that didn't like some of the things I said on this particular program. There's, always, hey. there's always somebody who doesn't like <laughs> what, any, what anybody says, especially in, in today's day and age. So I, yeah. I'd say I'd say you got that right, but then they'll yeah, pick a part and they'll only hear the parts they want to hear too, Tom. Yeah, I understand that going in, but hey, the way I feel and the way I always will. So call me Tom Venus. Hello, ladies. <laughs> I think I agree with you as, as far as the show goes. Uh, definitely thumbs in the middle for me as well, and I think that's a good thing for AEW because it means they're trending in the right direction as long as they stay in that direction and stay away from those bad episodes. 
that they've had from time to time. Yeah. Like I can deal with this as long as they give me a really good one <laughs> in the next couple of weeks. I can, I can stay with it. More of those Brody Lee tribute type uh, shows efforts. Yeah, no more doubt. More of those uh, Shaq and Cody and Jade and Red Velvet. And that Tully Blanchard slingshot suplexing midgets. Don't forget that. Oh, beautiful stuff. Uh, just seeing my boy Tully. I marked out at the uh, when he teased the dive because you knew there's no way this old man's doing it. He didn't even fucking do a dive when he was in his prime. Right. When and you knew he wasn't going to do a dive, but it was like, how is he going to get out of this? Because he's already hitting the ropes. And then he just stops yeah. and does that strut. And I just love that smile on his face. He's he's like, even though the fa- there's not really a fan base there, he's still got that I gotcha look on his face. And it, I think it just took yeah. him back to the old days when he used to have the fans in the palm of his hand. So I marked out for Tully. The man, not totally the the character. Even I was marking out for him having a good time. I love that dude. Uh, I can't say I, I know him well, but he he I I've been in and out of the podcast business for a while. We had a show myself and a guy named Chris Mezzaroba called Danger Radio. He wasn't really doing nothing. I don't know how I had his number, but I had it somehow, and just threw it by him if he could come on and talk the old days. He did, and then. Uh, a show on the same network. It was called laughcast.com. Eric Todd is a local comedian in Philly. And he was like, Oh my God, how'd you get Tully Blanchard? He's like my all time favorite wrestler. We're doing a show on my birthday. Is there any way? And I felt like a dick because I was already pushing the envelope. I was happy that I got him to come on ours. And fucking Tully was cool enough to call Eric Todd out of the blue, just because I asked him and I'm not that tight with him. And Wish Eric Todd a happy birthday. So I love Tully. All all aspects of Tully Blanchard. Right fucking, fucking thumbs up, Tully. Yeah, because Tully has a lot of detractors <laughs> in the real world. So Yeah, a lot of people don't like him, but always always cool around me, even when I was a little kid. So, Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, good stuff, yeah, Tom. Good. Got anything else you want to uh, add tonight here? No, I'm interested because the show didn't go literally like I had expected just it evolved the way it did i'm interested to see uh, i will add it's kind of on topic so i won't get lost uh the first thing we did uh, um you had dropped me a line it's got some good feedback and a couple people inboxed me and you know said that you know one compliment was that they almost got a hernia when i uh <laughs> referenced reginald denny and <laughs> you know that's that's all i want is when i do the goofy obscure references that somebody out there gets it and pops from it. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I hope I didn't kill the momentum by, by jumping the gun on this AEW, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, no, it was a good time. I mean, not every show is going to be uh, a comedy fest, especially when we're just, it's just coming out of the show and it, it is what it is. They put on a, a decent show with some decent matches with some decent storylines. I'm very curious to see how they play out this. Like you said, QT Marshall and Cody Rhodes, they're not selling out Shea stadium. They're not Larry and Bruno, but I'd still like to see how they how they play that out. So that has me intrigued as well because I love the old school storylines. Big fan. Yeah, so me too. Cool. And uh, QT's been around so long, he deserves a little sunshine. You know, we didn't mention one thing that was I don't even know if you caught it. The new Miz and Mrs. with Cody and Brandy was advertised. Are you serious? Yeah, it's a reality wow. show about Cody and Brandy. So I yeah. missed that. I don't know if I was pissing or what the hell. Is, what the hell is going on? I didn't see that. I I can't say I don't. I, I don't believe that. But yeah, wow, amazing. 
Yeah, that was interesting. I I I hadn't heard that that was in the works. So that, I didn't. That was yeah, I haven't read that anywhere. So yeah, you you telling me that that was the first time I ever heard it. I will not be yeah. watching that program. Just so you know, <laughs> I probably won't either, unless my girlfriend wants to. And then yeah, my my wife started watching Ms. and Mrs. when it first started, and it was so convoluted and so blatantly scripted that even she yeah. kind of, because I had to tell her like years ago when we first got together and all this shit was new, this reality TV was still kind of new. I had to tell you know, this shit's scripted, right? They tell them this is the dilemma today, or these aren't their real houses. They rent these houses and place them in these houses <laughs> for these stories. And yeah. she's like, no, really? You know, and I had to explain that to her and she still watches the total Bellas. Even though I like told her the one time I'm like, you know, I read that they, had to film something in July and then splice it into the storyline from January so that it, because they wanted something to add to this January story, but they, it, they filmed it seven months later. So I told her, I'm like, you understand this shit's not real to some degree anyway, but with Ms. and Mrs. <laughs> yeah. It's so fucking over the top. Ridiculous. Like every show has its own storyline comedy, you know, and whatever, like know. Mrs. Dad and the fucking wedding cake thing. I saw that one with her. And then, uh, yeah. which is kind of funny. Uh, I'll talk about it on another show. And I know I've known Mrs. Dad going back long before the Miz ever even got into a wrestling ring. So, well, nice. we'll save that for another show. <laughs> nice. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah. So, but Tom, man, I appreciate you kind of hitting me up today. It was kind of unexpected. And that's not a complaint. Uh, I'm down to put a, get a few shows up and running and just kind of getting the show out there. So very cool. And I'll have this edited tomorrow and hopefully it'll be up by the, What's today? We're, we're, we literally, the other day we said we were recording five minutes after the pay-per-view. Obviously, we let the cat out of the bag. It was Monday. But this is literally right after the pay-per-view, or right after the Dynamite. So hopefully it'll be up Thursday, today. <laughs> yep. That'll be cool. But, but no rush. I mean, you, do, you, you made our sh- first show sound great with the things you did after the fact. So whatever it of, takes. Yeah, I put a lot of care and, and stuff into it, do the best I can. And uh, we're going to keep doing that because we're going to keep making shows and putting them out there and talking about whatever Tom feels like talking about. And I've said it last time, everybody give us a shout out on Twitter. You can contact me at wrestling grenade. That's at R A S S L I N grenade. You can contact Tom at T R shock. Ask us anything you want. If you got anything you want me to ask Tom on air, I will anything uh, past experiences or stories he's told that you want him to tell again or elaborate a little further. Tom's open to those type of things, and that's what he's here for. And I look forward to that as well. I'm going to look up a couple of old questions I might have for you too, Tom, going further for, uh, in the future. Fucking hey, ask me anything. If I remember it, I'll tell it. <laughs> Sounds good, man. Tom, I really appreciate you being here again, man, so quickly. And uh, I look forward to doing this again really soon. All right. Everybody, peace. All right, guys, for Tom Robinson, I'm Ray Russell. We thank you again for listening once more, subscribing, downloading. Please follow us. On Twitter, you can follow Tom, like I said, at TRShock. Follow the WrestleCopia brand. We're on WrestleCopia.com. You can also listen to Tom's show, TR Shocks the World, on Spotify, Stitcher, and all the good stuff like that. We're not on Apple or Google Pod yet, but they're still screening it, and it should be up very soon. May even be up by the time you hear this. So you can keep checking back on Apple Pod and Google Pod. But we're pretty much up everywhere else already. That includes Spotify. And as always, you can catch us on WrestleCopia.com. Again, I'm Ray Russell. Thank you so much, Tom Robinson. Once more, TR shocks the world. 